The 15th Mishnah of the first paragraph of Prekyavis introduces us to the sage Shammai, who teaches three principles. And immediately you have to ask the question, the three principles that he teaches don't seem to belong in Prekyavis, which is about living beyond the requirement of the law. They seem to be basic Judaism. So we have to examine what else is there to his statements that takes us a little deeper, as well as, of course, to understand what the theme is that runs through all three of these statements, because it's no accident that they all appear in the same Mishnah. So the Mishnah says, Shammai Omer, Shammai says, <coughs> Make your Torah learning fixed. Say little, and do much. And then he says, You should greet every person, receive every person with a good or friendly um, impression on your face. Treat, basically receive people well. So let's have a look. The Pirush HaPoshot from Didrai Bovis from the Mishnah is the simplest explanation that is brought in various of the Mephoshim on this Mishnah, the Mephoshim Zogin, is like this. Asei Teroschokva, make your Torah fixed, means that your primary preoccupation during the day and at night should be around the Torah. And then, when you get tired of learning, then then you go out to work. Not the other way around. Your primary occupation should not be working and earning a living. As the Gemara says in Brochus, that they were great individuals who made their Torah learning their fixed occupation and their earning of a living a secondary element. Okay, so that's the message. Go out and learn. That should be your primary occupation. Next, speak little and do a lot means <clears throat> you should verbally commit to a little and then do more than what you actually promised or undertook. Like we find with Avram Avinu, that when he was speaking to his guests, first he said, I'll bring you some bread. And then he brought them red meat. So you verbally commit to a little and you do much more. And then when it says that you should receive everybody with a happy countenance, what it means is when you invite or you bring guests into your house, you shouldn't put the food in front of them and have like a long face. Okay, so those are the three things. Focus on Torah learning and <clears throat> under promise over deliver and make sure that you show people a nice face when they come into your house. Now, if those are the explanations, as the Mephoshim suggests, we should be asking, The goal of Mesechta Ovis is to teach us about things that are beyond the requirement of Torah law. That if a person wants to become a chassid, somebody who lives beyond the requirements of the Torah law, learn Ovis, it will teach you how to do it. So Dos says that implies as Dos says and Hogus for Said is in Zenit Mechuyev Mitzad Adin Valocha. So if Pirkei Avos is all about things which are Chasidus Midas Chasidus, that means they're things that you are not obligated to follow according to Halacha. Now Dav says Tom Mitzad Midas Chasidus. Why would you do these things? Because you want to be a better, more uplifted human being. Or as we say, if Nimishur Asadin, you go beyond the letter of the law. Now the three things Shammai mentions don't appear to be chasidus beyond the requirement of the law. They seem to be basic Judaism. is The fact that you should do these three, three things should actually be self-evident. And if they're not self-evident, we should certainly be able to extrapolate them from other areas of Jewish law. So let's look at all three of them and see how they should be absolutely obvious. Aleph, 
the idea of having fixed time for learning Torah. This concept is expressed by things that the sages say as obligatory for Jewish people. For example, the Gemara says, Make Torah your fixed occupation. And make your work secondary. So what is Shammai telling us over here about going beyond the letter of the law? If the law has already told us to do exactly this. And besides that, there are many verses in the Torah, many statements from our sages. That all echo the concept that to study Torah is a 24-7 responsibility. In fact, you don't have to look far. Go back to the beginning of this chapter of Pirkei Avos where it says, It says the Torah stands on three things. One of them is The world stands on Torah. So now logically, if Torah is one of the pillars that upholds the existence and the sustainability of the world, Obviously, it has to be permanent. You can't have a foundation that is temporary or transient. So what's Shammai telling us over here about, big surprise, beyond the requirement of the law, you should fixate on Torah. That is part of the core of Judaism. Question two. When he says, do say little. The Torah tells us very clearly that a person should never create a situation where you are going to neutralize or undermine your own words. In other words, by making a promise that you may not fulfill. Once I see that pasuk, I know that I should speak little. That I should be very careful about how I speak. And I should never give a verbal undertaking until I'm absolutely confident that I can follow it through. Because obviously the Torah wants me to be so careful that I never land up transgressing the Torah's requirement not to undermine your own words. So what's Shammai telling me? I know I have to be careful with my words and not make promises that I may not fulfill. And and even the second part where it says, not only should you say little, but you should do a lot. Where's the great surprise in that, which tells you, oh, this is like a, a first class Jew. This is a higher grade Jew. Surely it is the most logical thing in the world that if there are many mitzvahs to do, go out and do them. Why do you have to be told? Breaking news. You should go out and do as much as you possibly can. Is that not the underpinning of the whole of Judaism? And Gimel, likewise, we have a similar question about the third and final element of what Shammai teaches in this Mishnah, where he says, that you should greet and accept and welcome everybody with a friendly countenance. Is that not part of the greater banner within Judaism that you should always do to other people that which is good and upright? Based on what Rabbi Akiva calls the foundational principle of all of Judaism, love your fellow like yourself. Now, obviously, you want people to greet you well and to welcome you with a smiling face. Or as Hillel told the prospective convert, if, if you would hate something done to you, you certainly wouldn't do it to somebody else. So to be welcoming to people who come into your house is doesn't sound like it's something super beyond. That is Judaism. 
treat somebody as you'd like to be treated. So that's the first question. What is Shammai telling us over here that we wouldn't already know and that takes us beyond what the Torah already requires? In addition to that, we're going to ask three questions about the structural integrity, in other words, the language and the messaging that's in this Mishnah. There are a few other principles of this Mishnah we need to understand. Number one, The first thing that we should pay attention to is that there are three apparently different messages all incorporated into a single Mishnah. There's no question that Shammai must have said many, many, many other things about human conduct. And, and only these three were collated together in the same Mishnah. Is mashma that implies as a that implies that there has to be a connection and a common theme, and we have to wonder what is the common theme because they sound like different messages. A message about the preeminence of Torah learning, a message about commitments and how you keep them, and a message about how you deal with people. What's the common thread? Question two, base. How come over here when he does say that you should prioritize Torah, and that should be your fixed occupation to learn Torah. Why is Nitarov gebracht the most fair? Why doesn't the Mishnah bring the second half of the same statement as we've seen quoted in other places in Talmudic literature, which is that you should prioritize Torah and fix times for Torah, and your work should be secondary. Why does this not present the message in the same way as other places in Talmudic literature? And lastly, Gimel Vigret Merimol, we discussed multiple times. Hot from Bala Maimer the name of whoever teaches a particular principle is related to the principle. And not only that, the name will always add emphasis and insight into what the message is. So therefore, we have to ask ourselves, so we have to wonder why or how will we understand the message of these three statements better by knowing that Shammai is the one who said them. Now, before we go on, there we'll just talk for one moment about the fact that there are alternative explanations to this Mishnah. So we've taken the explanation according to many of the Mepharshim that take these three statements almost at face value. So Kanamokim Lehoir, it is important to note, is in we're quoting over here an explanation which is primarily sourced from Ovest Rabbi Nason. From Vegan, it's important to know, is we have to know that that's a very reliable source, but there are other alternatives, including the one that the Rebbe is going to propose, that may seem completely different to what Ovest Rabbi Nason has taught. In fact, you'll find this commonly through Pirkei Ovis. There are many, many very great authoritative opinions in Israel who comment on Pirkei Ovis. Right across the whole historical spectrum as well as across the different styles of Torah literature. And many of them will explain this Mishnah differently to Ovest Derebinazan, either this or other Mishnahis and Perkyavas. They'll explain differently. Sometimes you'll even find that one explanation appears to contradict another explanation from the Pirushim in Ovest Derebinazan, or certainly at least contradict what is taught in Ovest Derebinazan. What's interesting also is that many of these great sages encouraged their students 
to look for insights that they could innovate about how to understand Pirkei and of course, you don't do that willy-nilly. Come move on. It's well understood that that's bit Obviously, whatever insights they were going to share would obviously have to fit the rules of how you interpret Torah. And whatever insights you share have to be with the ultimate respect for other opinions. And of course, you don't bang on the table and scream out and say, you've got to listen to me because my interpretation is correct. And obviously to be really, really careful that you don't suggest something which is inappropriate or a misinterpretation of the texts. But the fact is, says the Rebbe, that we do see there are other commentators who differ with and even sometimes contradict the explanation of Abbas de Rebbe Nassim. So why is that relevant to us? Therefore, is moving so we can understand from that. As does is we feel tzolike oichofistika pirushem ektayoshebichsav that you have commentary on Pirkei Avos that is quite similar to how you have commentary on Teresh Bichsab, where there are many commentators that give very diverse views and sometimes even contradictory, or at least uh, they appear to be contradictory views. At the very least, all of these commentaries are, as the Yerushalmi describes, the so-called chatter of Torah, which is good. The more chatter, the more discussion around Torah, the better. And of course, if you're dealing with the real, authentic commentators on, on Torah, then we know that what they propose belongs to the 70 authentic angles and how to learn Torah. In other words, the Rebbe is implying over here, perhaps not every commentator on Pirkei Avos is so oizgehalten, but it helps to spread and, and increase the value of Torah learning. Especially as the Zoyar tells us, we have a requirement to spread and increase the amount of Torah research and study and discussion that happens. The more you can add to the conversation around Torah, the better. The more innovation you could offer in Torah, the better. And especially if there's an earlier commentary that leaves questions and issues that are unresolved, then you definitely have to, to the extent of your intellectual ability, try to try and give an alternative explanation that tackles these questions. Because if we don't do that, if we don't contribute insight, then the concept will be left lacking. And to understand fully what you're learning is critical to fulfilling the mitzvah of learning Torah when learning Torah Shabbal Peh. Torah Shabbal you can just read the words and you fulfill the mitzvah. Torah Shabbal Peh, you have to fully understand what you're reading in order to fulfill the mitzvah. So this is what would appear to be the Rebbe almost rationalizing why there will now be another explanation that is completely different to Ovis de Rebbe Nossan, as if the Rebbe had to defend that position. So what's the Rebbe's suggestion? What's the Rebbe's explanation? Mishlomi de Bir and Dem explanation is this. Di Mishnah Shama we know that this Mishnah does not stand in isolation. Rather, this Mishnah is actually a continuation of what we already mentioned is right at the beginning of this chapter where it says that the, Torah, the world stands on three things. There are three pillars that sustain the world. Torah, service of Hashem either in the old days through carbonics and now through davening and acts of benevolence to other people. That means us as in that means there are three options, three channels of how you could sustain the world. 
And every one of those channels is an authentic pillar that sustains the world. On the river, when a man can say not from him, but all above, when after my oidoi, meet the all the Now the the human condition is such that none of us is probably in a position to fully commit with every fiber of our being to all three channels. So you've got to choose one that will be your area of priority. Kav Funditrai, one of the three channels. In And that one will become your primary area of investment, your primary area of focus and passion and excitement. Down there at Svein, the other two, you're not going to ignore, but they'll follow on in the wake of this great commitment that you've taken to the one specific channel of connection. Obviously, there's certain things that have to be done at certain times. You can't ignore them. We're talking overall. A person will land up having to choose one area of priority, either Torah or Avoida or Ogimides Chassadim. So now that you've got to make that decision, weighs in Shammai and says, I'm Shaykh's Medem Zot Shammai. Shammai is talking now, if you have to look from the perspective of how you live beyond the requirement of the law, of the law then the message is, you've got to choose one of the three. Focus on Torah learning. If you have to choose one of the three main channels of how to serve Hashem, prioritize Torah learning, and that should be your total obsession. Even though you have the rights to choose any one of the three, and that would be valid, you could choose to be a Zvulun type personality who's engaged in business and thereby in Gemilus Chasodim, and that's your your channel. So your primary way to serve Hashem will be through benevolence to other people. So you could choose them. That would be absolutely valid according to the letter of the law. Comes along Shammai and says, if beyond the requirement of the law. You should always select to prioritize Torah learning. That should be the most permanent and most central of all the elements of how you serve Hashem. Because that is Shammai's message, he's making a comparison between Torah versus Avoid and Gemilus Chasodim and saying prioritize Torah. That's why it's There's no reason to quote, as in other places in the Gemara, that you should make your work secondary. We're not comparing Torah versus work, we're comparing Torah versus Davening and Gemilus Chasodim. But those need to go on to Shammai's intention over here is not to negate how much effort you invest in work. That it should not become your ultimate priority. Shammai's intention over here is to show you how you prioritize Torah learning over alternative spiritual paths. That's Milidi Chasidusa. And also, Demit is moving, we can also now understand, that he doesn't also explain when he says that Torah should be your permanent fixation. He doesn't then have to also spell out as He would never say and davening and good deeds should be secondary or temporary, transient. He would never say that. Because Shammai's audience includes those people who are primarily focused on doing deeds of Gemilas Chasodim. 
Was their roiv his askus is not in Torah. Their primary occupation is not in learning Torah because they They may even fulfill their mitzvah of Torah learning with a single chapter of learning in the morning and a single chapter of learning in the evening in Zehu. Nor in Kavfung Minas Chasodim because their primary occupation is going to do as many mitzvahs to help other people as possible. So Shammai is not going to say, learn Torah and ignore Gminus Chasodim. He's going to say, even when your primary focus is Gminus Chasodim, still Torah learning should be absolutely permanent in your life. Meaning, that even if you have small periods of time allocated for Torah learning, those times should not be fixed in your diary. They should be fixed in your mind. They should be the most permanent elements of your entire life. Literally etched into your soul. That not only do you keep those times, but they, the impact of the learning you do during those times totally defines the reality of your entire day. So he would never say that avoiding Kemenes Chassadim should be Arai. And furthermore, you actually could never use a word Arai, transient or temporary, with regards to serving Hashem through davening or Gemenes Chassadim, because they are very core elements of how you serve Hashem. And they have to be permanent elements of your life. You can never call them Arai. Not sufficient to give him dvorim atzmom. Dafte iker hakeva zayin atayro dafka. What Shammai wants us to know is out of three very critical parts of our lives, Torah should be the one that is the most entrenched. So that's his lesson. Now, noch derehayro. Once he's told us this, that the core focus of our lives should be Torah. That out of the three channels of how to serve Hashem, Torah must take priority over everything else. Then he continues to explain. Let's talk about how that works. How? What kind of Torah learning? What style? How do you rate? How do you assess your Torah learning to know that it is appropriate? Because we know the Gemorian condition tells us that the greatness of Torah learning is the fact that it will bring you to action when you know what to do and why to do it, then you're likely to actually do it. So, so you might arrive at the conclusion as you'd say, look, the ultimate goal of learning is practice. So therefore, surely the ultimate focus of what I learn should be those things that will translate into deciding practical halachic outcomes. So you might think, okay, so my whole Torah learning should be centered on arriving at practical conclusions of how I should live Judaism. You think actually my objective as a student of Torah should be that one day I could be a posik, somebody who could render halachic decisions. That should be the focus. So 
What's Shammai told us? The core of our whole Judaism, according to Mili de Chassidusa, is Torah should be prioritized over everything else. What kind of Torah? Don't think that it's just about the kind of Torah that will translate into you being able to tell somebody else what the Psaq HaLoche is. Straight away he says, speak little. Now we thought speak little is a generic statement that you should never make big promises like Avesti Rebbe Nossan said. Says the Rebbe, no, the Eisek in dem Sug von Amoyer, the expression, the kind of Torah learning that will translate into what you tell people they should do in their lives. Piskei halocha, zogni maskone halocha, what the bottom line of Judaism is. Dos darav zayin me'at, that should be a minor part of your Torah learning. Der iker unroiv halimut, the primary focus and the most amount of learning that you should do, should be learning Torah because there's a mitzvah to learn Torah because it's a connection to Hashem. To the extent of learning Torah and, 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 and that in itself is the reward, or as the expression goes, to bring beauty and greatness to the Torah itself. So Torah learning should not be just utilitarian because we need to know halacha, so you've got to learn. No, you should learn because Abisha wants you to learn. Ah, so then a person will go to the opposite extreme and think, okay, you're right. The primary focus is to learn Torah for Torah's sake. So person will say, great. So you, what you're effectively telling me is that my Torah learning does not have to in any way connect to practical application. So you think if Torah learning is acceptable as a purely spiritually oriented academic pursuit and it doesn't have to translate into piske alocha maybe the actions of mitzvahs are not such a major priority in my judaism so of course i'll do mitzvahs but i don't have to thrust myself into those mitzvahs and really make sacrifices for the mitzvah i'll sacrifice for torah and i'll do mitzvahs says no 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 don't focus your Torah learning on translating it into Piske Halacha. But I say Harbe, you need to do as many mitzvahs as possible, not just quantitatively, but qualitatively. Yes, it's true that when you are learning Torah, your focus does not have to be on bottom lines and rendering halachic decisions. But it's incredibly important to be doing as many mitzvahs as possible. And that's not just a matter of doing how many mitzvahs you possibly can, but it's about how much of you you invest in those mitzvahs. Vosmer mitzvahs. As many mitzvahs as possible. And with as much power and enthusiasm and passion as possible. So what am I telling us? Out of the three channels, focus on Torah. What kind of Torah? Not Torah that has to result in bottom line, piske halacha. Torah for Torah's sake. And don't let that in any way mislead you and make you think that you don't have to be absolutely invested in doing mitzvahs. Now, now that we know that Shammai says that the primary focus of a Jewish person has to be to learn Torah, and not just learn, learn Torah, but lishma, 
for the sake of Torah, without focusing all that much on the piske halach, on the practical applications. So, then a person might come up with an idea and a perspective of a hektam, and just to give a, a context for this perspective, the context is, look at the psychological space of a person who is primarily involved in study versus a person who is a so-called people's person. We know that there are very, very distinct differences between the nature of the intellectual side of a human being and the emotional side of a human being. Intellect is all about me as I am. And the whole concept of Midas is the subjective response that I'll have to other people. So when does a person get angry, happy, fearful, etc.? Only in relation to other people or other things, external stimuli. So you love someone. You're fearful of someone. There's a second party involved. That's how Midas are. They rely on an external party. Whereas the intellectual world is completely different. You don't think for somebody else or intellectualize, understand a concept for somebody else. In fact, to the contrary, the Zulas is got gain and Bilbo If other people come into your space while you're trying to learn, contemplate, or understand something, they will distract and confuse you. So people are. An interference to Moichin. As we well know, to really understand something thoroughly, especially if you want to access the core of real intellect, which is way beyond the whole subjective uh, human experience, which means it's the part of you that is not even looking at how does this translate into practice, rather than rather it's understanding what the core of this concept is. The way you access the deepest intellect is by contemplation and sinking your mind into an idea. And that works best when a person is in a solitary environment away from other people. So the intellect is often un- un- upended by other people. So Kevin comes to the Maskona, therefore a person can come to this conclusion. Seeing as our primary focus of Torah learning is supposed to be to learn, our primary focus of how to serve Hashem is Torah learning. What kind of Torah learning? Learning Lishma without consideration for how will this translate into practice. Which means it's all about understanding and intellectual processing. A person will say, well, if that's what the Torah expects of me, I need to be solitary as as much as possible. I need to get away from other people who may distract or disturb me. And if I do have to spend time with people, then I'll only hang out with that kind of connection and crowd that will add value to the Torah learning. That's why I'm going to hang out with people who will endorse and embellish my understanding. As the, Torah, as the Mishnah says in Perik Vav of Perikei Ovis, to be together with people who are my intellectual peers, people at Talmidim, through the sharp debate with students. Things that we are told are the pathways to acquiring Torah. As the famous Gemara says, I learned much from my, from my teachers, more from my peers, and most from my students. 
Aber den Menschen, was sein ist, haben es mit sein, wird ihm nicht zugeben in Teras Rekeva. But any person who is not going to add value to my Teras learning, darf er sie euch smiten. <laughs> you gotta like really keep them at a distance, measure them out. Warchig sein sie, und nicht haben zu tun mit sie, klar. Keep them at an arm's length. Don't engage with them. They're just one major distraction. So you would think. If them come to Babonish and didn't fall from Shammai Smaimer, Shammai says that's actually inaccurate. And that's the third part of his teaching. You have to welcome every person with a smile. Even though your primary focus is learning. What kind of learning? The kind of learning that is all about understanding the real depth of a concept which requires quiet and focus and, and a tremendous amount of contemplation. Let that never be a reason not to greet and engage with every single person without any distinction in a happy, welcoming, friendly way. In other words, even such a person, that if you're going to interact with this person, it's going to add nothing to your objectives, to your spiritual development. Nothing's going to add nothing to you. Not only will this person not add to your Torah learning, but the likelihood is they're not even going to give you an opportunity for Gemilus Chassadim. Those people, we shouldn't just say, okay, listen, I have to do with you. Unfortunately, you've Cross my threshold, come into my world, everything's Hashkacha Pratis, so I have a responsibility towards you. All right, I'll drag my feet. No. No, but Saver Ponim Dafka Shamai says, with a big smile and warmth, you welcome such a person. As the Odom Zol Zen und Margish sein, as I named him Uf und Fanemzach metem, mitzufriedenkeit und ibegegemenkeit. That person who technically does not feature in your world must be cherished by you, must feel that you're happy to engage with them and that you're committed to them. Very powerful lesson. Paradoxical world to live in and that's what Shammai expects. Now you'll have a question. How do you live such a paradox? They seem to be complete contradictions. Pull yourself into a world of deep learning, but be so happy to engage with every person, even if they have nothing to do with your Torah learning. The key to learning Torah properly is moving away from the pragmatic and how it relates to people. And at the same time to be doing so many mitzvahs. So you're telling me to learn in a way that is not focused on what to do and then you're telling me to do it. Telling me to do many mitzvahs and with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. How is this possible? And over and above that, I've got to treat every single person with, with happiness and, and, and warmth. That's an even greater contradiction to the primary focus of learning Torah Lishma. Because the best way to really learn as you should is to remove yourself from people. Now Shammai tells me, not only should I give up some of that time to engage in so many mitzvahs, but even with other people who have nothing at all to do with my world. 
So V how does a person live such an immense paradox? The answer to that, the Mishnah told us, is who taught this? What is the significance of Shammai? What does he represent? If a person understands what Shammai's name represents as a means of how to serve Hashem, it settles the question of how to live this paradox. The Altareb explains in the Kutatera that the name Shammai is given or, or relates to as Al-Kayin Nikra Shammai Kin Shammai Razal, says the Altareb, that Shammai is related to what the Gemara tells us, So the Pasuk says, You place, so to speak, a path. Says the Gemara, Any person who measures and calculates and strategizes their steps, that is a person who has connection to Hashem. The says the Gemara is somebody who measures and works out every single element of how they serve Hashem. As the nomen Shammai says, Altareb, the name Shammai was from Lashon Shomer Chosov, which relates to this idea of measuring and calculating and strategizing. Shatzon and Begin Zayne Derochim, measuring and weighing up all the steps of your spiritual progress. Is Meramaz and Lent, that alludes to and teaches us as a dav opshatzen and opvegen zayne drochem, that a Jewish person has to constantly measure and weigh every step of their path of spiritual progress. Sein zman und seine kechus. We have to weigh up our time and our abilities for seinen gegeben givaren that are gifts from the Ebishter. Am I using them as the Ebishter wants them? As soon as a person starts to measure up the talents and abilities that they should gifted them with. When a person is honest in their self-assessment, that's when they come to realize, I actually have the capacity to live this tremendous paradox of this three-way service of Hashem. And if that's true any time of the year, especially at this time of the year, the time that is allocated on our calendar to learn Pirkei this time of the year when we're told to learn Pirkei Avos is an indication that we're given unusual ability to fulfill what Pirkei Avos says. So when we're honest with ourselves and we do a real self-assessment and recognize that our talents are God-given, then we recognize that the same Abishta who expects this apparently paradoxical lifestyle from us has empowered us to live it. Therefore, when a person does a very good job of honestly assessing the time that they have at their disposal, a person will be able to recognize that if I strategize and I, I manage my time well enough, there will be time to learn properly with complete divorce from the entire world. As there will be enough time to do many, many mitzvahs with a tremendous amount of enthusiasm, as there will be time to reach out to every single person, including the people who are not in my spiritual orbit. Now we can take this whole concept of these three paths of serving Hashem and they link to the name Shammai to a deeper and more spiritual perspective. And in order to do that, let's identify a common thread that runs through all three of these instructions.
And Ashton in the first instruction showed us as the Ika Keva Davzain in on Ba'ifan Funemori Me'at. The first lesson was that our main focus of how to serve Hashem is Torah, and specifically the Torah that doesn't have to come to a conclusion that you could be able to tell somebody this is what you do in practice. In other words, where you learn Torah for Torah's sake, not that you should have the title rabbi or the authority to decide halachic issues. So what's the message? I don't learn Torah as a means to an end. Not even if the end is something as valuable as fulfilling mitzvahs. No, to leave Torah. The message is, Torah for Torah's sake. Then you come to the next lesson. What's the next lesson? Do as many mitzvahs with as much power and passion as you possibly can. Then in spite of the fact that my primary focus is learning Torah, and Torah lishma, not Torah, in order to be able to have a practical take on, still I still have to engage in plenty of mitzvahs. So I'm not doing mitzvahs as a means to an end, because if you do mitzvahs, then you'll succeed more when you learn Torah. Which means that you're going to, how are you going to have Hatzlacha? Because the Gemara tells us that any person who says, I only have Torah and no mitzvahs doesn't even have Torah. So maybe I need the mitzvahs to consolidate the Torah so that I don't lose it. In other words, that even the person whose primary occupation is Torah study also needs to have mitzvahs. So you would think, okay, listen, my primary occupation is to learn Torah. I also need some mitzvahs to help consolidate my Torah. So I'll do some mitzvahs, Shazman Groma, particularly mitzvahs that are time-bound. Okay, it's time for Pesach, I have to eat matzvah. Good, that will help consolidate my learning. Or I'm going to do a mitzvah in order to help ground my Torah. The fact of the Mishnah is that you have to do many and enthusiastic mitzvahs. That implies as I mitzvah That tells you why am I doing a mitzvah? Not because I have a particular ulterior motive. Because that's what Abisha told me to do. Without any ulterior, even the most spiritual ulterior motive that I want my Torah to have this lasting value and benefit. So what's the common theme? Doing what the Ibishta wants, because it's what the Ibishta wants. And that also applies to the third element. Having a Kabbalist called Adam Besavir Ponim is welcome everybody with warmth and a smile. Who are we talking about, as we've already mentioned? We're talking about the kind of person who will bring you no spiritual benefit. I feel anything came out from Gumin you may not even fulfill the mitzvah with this person. Because it could be somebody who needs nothing from you. They just crossed your path and you have to show them. As is implied in the expression of the Mishnah, every single person. Because if the person was in need of some kind of help from you, so now you're going to be nice to him, that's going to help. 
von seinem Let's say the person is in an in emotionally fragile state and you're now going to be warm and friendly to them and that will help them. So then, we don't know that you're doing what Hashem wants. You're saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mark up another mitzvah. Look at this. I did give me this chasonim. Great for me. Rather, what does the Mishnah tell us? You have to be good to every single person. Why? Because that's what the Ebishter wants. Whether you gain or you don't gain out of it. Whether they belong to your world or they don't. Whether you'll rack up a mitzvah or not. And that's the common theme between all three of them. That common thread. So the mitzvah to, or the concept of learning Torah, the concept of doing many mitzvahs, the concept of receiving every person with a friendly face, is In each case, you're achieving something that has a value on its own. It doesn't need to service another concept. When you do that, what do you illustrate? You know what happens when you do that, when you have that attitude that nothing is there to serve as something else? Then you express in your avoid as Hashem that we, Torah, and Hashem are one entity. In other words, what are we saying? You could never suggest that the Ebesh is a means to an end. That's where it starts, that's where it ends. So equally, you cannot speak of Hashem's Torah mitzvahs as a means to an end. Torah is value in and of itself. Mitzvahs are value in and of themselves. And nor can you say that about a Jewish person, that a Jew is there in order to facilitate something. The Jew is valuable in and of himself. That's Shammai's message. Torah is absolute value. Mitzvahs are absolute value. The next Jew is absolute value. So in this principle, as Torah mitzvahs and Eden Zanin Kulachad mit Kuchabrichu, that Torah, mitzvahs, and the Jewish people are all completely one with Hashem. To us now is a beautiful concept, but theoretical, and we'll experience it tangibly when Mashiach comes. Because when Mashiach comes, the truth, the reality of every single thing will be exposed and revealed. Up until the time of Mashiach, that truth is embedded in our avoid. We don't see it, but it's there. Because it is embedded in a hidden way within our avoid. That's why you have to have different types of Jews who serve Hashem in different ways. That's why you have to have some people who spend the lion's share of their time learning Torah and very little of their time doing mitzvahs. Or people who do mitzvahs in order to ground and consolidate their Torah learning, because as the Gemara said, without it, your Torah learning isn't real, it's not sustainable. Or then you get another group of people, people who are the masters of good deeds. And their primary focus is to turn our world into Hashem's home, which is achieved through doing mitzvahs. 
And they learn less Torah and possibly with an interest that you learn Torah in order to ensure that your mitzvahs are right. And that's differences between groups of people. There's similar differences between generations. Generations that focus on Torah, on davening, and today a generation that is focused on action. That's why it's that for Shammai who speaks to this message. Because in our world, our consciousness, is we see a lot of diversity. And we don't necessarily see that there's this common thread and theme of doing everything purely for Hashem's sake. And that Yisrael said, mitzvahs kujabrichu kulachad. But Shammai represents his Yaduv as the Arizal Zokt, as the Arizal teaches, as Ilyosid Lovay Vetsandi Alochavi Beis Shammai. In the time of Moshiach, Halacha will be decided according to Beis Shammai. Dos Heis, meaning the Heirof and the Gimel Inyonim Hanal. This teaching of Shammai is about these three areas of Torah and mitzvahs and dealing with another Jew. They are primarily linked to when the truth of every concept will be revealed in the time of Mashiach. Now, of course, we know that whatever's going to happen in the time of Mashiach is not going to happen in a vacuum. It will be the result of our efforts now during Golos. There can't be a complete divorce between our actions now and what they affect in the time of Mashiach. So therefore, within the things that we do now, there must be the seed of what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. So even if we can't see the message of these three messages, of these three instructions from Shammai, the message being that we and Torah and Mitzvahs and Hashem are absolutely one, even if we can't see it, at least we can practice something that represents it, which is these three paradoxical ways of serving Hashem. And if we follow these three paths, we will obviously be measuring and assessing properly our abilities. And of course, we'd then come to doing a proper assessment. We come to the conclusion that we can actually fulfill what the demands of these paradoxical ways to serve Hashem are. And as the Gemara tells us, whatever rules of assessment we apply to ourselves are the same rules of assessment that David applies to us. When a Jewish person commits to and fulfills the entire set of instructions of this Mishnah, be sincere until you arrive at the last point, which is to receive and welcome every single person with, with a happy countenance. You show somebody a friendly, welcoming face. From on high, they show you a friendly, welcoming face. And the Abish's radiant face is the source of all light, life. Especially, of course, the ultimate eternal life that will soon enough be revealed to us in the Msman von Trias Amesim at the time of the resurrection, which, as we say in the introduction to Pirke Avos, every single one of us as Jewish people has access to that experience, should be revealed. Immediately, and we should be able to have this incredible eternal life and this this, this amazing experience of a Yisrael Oraisa Bakuchabrihu Kula Chad.